Are you an athlete tired of annoying injuries holding you back from peak performance? Then this podcast is for you. Here we share our expert opinion on hot topics of physical therapy, injury prevention, sports performance, and sometimes other random thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Ells. Welcome to the Charlotte Athlete Podcast. Welcome back to the Charlotte Athlete Podcast. Today we have our guest, Christopher Whedon. Uh, he is the founder and owner of Mentally Shredded, and we're going to get right into what that means. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, all right, Chris. So let me know what's what's uh, Mentally Shredded all about. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a loaded question, but <laughs> yeah, no. uh, I'll try to, to make it real brief for you. Uh, Mentally Shredded started because my mental health took a turn during COVID. And we had, I was living in a townhome in South End and you know, you know what South End's about. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, we were living in this townhome and then COVID hits and luckily the guys that I was living with at the time, we were all about personal development already, right? Um, we were all about taking care of ourselves physically. And so we came together and, and, and said, Hey, people are going to come out of this stronger, right? Like everybody has a brand. I think we need to figure out what that looks like for us. That way, when we do come out, um, we're not on the same playing field as everybody else. We're, we've elevated now. And so, um, that was how it started. You know, I threw, I somehow mentally shredded popped in my head. I remember like it was super random, threw it on a shirt, threw it in the closet, didn't think about it again (laughs) for a year. And then a year later, my mental health takes a turn and I'm like, Oh crap. And I think back to that shirt, I take the shirt out, I put the shirt on and I start like just reflecting and thinking about it. I'm like, all right, I think there's something here. And so that was like my first step at really reclaiming my power. Cause when my mental health took a turn, I started pushing my loved ones away. I go into seclusion when anxiety and depression is high. I stop answering the phone, you know, typical responses when you're, when you're dealing with something. Yeah, you isolate yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I think you can deal with it on your own. Yeah, man. And so uh, that's what I did. And eventually I was like, yo, I'm not okay. Right? Like, and it was those words that actually helped me most. And so Mentally Shredded became me first reclaiming my power, taking my power back through my mental health journey, uh, through my granddad passing during that time as well. Um, my granddad raised me, my grandparents raised me. And so, uh, that was my dad. Right. And so uh, now I'm experiencing loss and grief for the first time. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to allow this to defeat me. And so mentally shredded was me saying, I already work out physically. People can praise how I look all day and they have no idea what I'm going through. And so I need to show them a different side and hopefully help people on this journey as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge, man, because I think, uh, well, COVID was one of big time for reflection for me as well. Like, it was terribly socially isolating for myself. I mean, as, as, as everybody, right? Um, but I think, like, during that time, like, I got a lot more into my head <laughs> than I ever have been. Um, so it makes sense where this was, the Prometheus was during that time. And it's also very, also another big part of it is, like, the image, you know, physical image versus you can't really see you know, what's the saying, you know, you never know what's cooking in someone else's pot. Absolutely. Um, but like a lot of people, especially Instagram, which grew, I would imagine during COVID quite a bit because everyone was pretty isolated and then that's the way they kept up with everybody. But I know the comparison thief of joy kind of stuff of looking on Instagram, seeing people that are crazy in shape, been crushing it. And they're like, dang, their life must be awesome. Right. <laughs> they have no idea of what it's like. And yeah, it's something I've thought about a lot recently, like um, knowing where, 
you know, even my physical boundaries are to make sure my mental boundaries are okay. Uh, like not expecting too much out of myself in a way that's kind of outside of the realm of possibilities where I get all beat up about it. Cause I, I love, love lifting, love being competitive. It's been a huge part of my life for a long time. And, uh, my mental health has been very much tied around that. Absolutely. And, uh, so like finding like myself through then, like it wasn't as direct as your reflection, yeah, uh, but it was, it's been a lot of a journey recently. That's why I love being able to talk about this. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that your mental health is tied to your physical, that, I'm the same way. I mm-hmm. played professional soccer until 2015. And so my whole life I was programmed to exercise, rain, shine, mm-hmm. whether you're sick, your coach doesn't freaking care. Nope. If you want to play, you're going to show up. And so yeah. during that dark time, for some reason, I was still programmed to just, even when I wasn't leaving, like most days I was not leaving the apartment unless it was just to go for a quick run mm-hmm. or to go to the gym and then I'd come right back. Right. I didn't realize I was doing that until I started therapy, right? And that was a mm-hmm. year later. And then they started saying, well, Chris, how often are you working out? And I was like, I don't know, probably every day. And they were like, you know how unique that is? Yeah, it's so unique. Not a lot of people do that. <laughs> no, that's the first thing people stop doing, right? Yeah. So It's crazy. I've thought about that recently too, and a little bit of a tangent here, but like how rare it is for someone to work out even some times of the week. Yeah. A lot of my friends and people I've known since like college, high school, like their careers and families and lives have taken them away from the ability to have the time. Um, but for me, it's been probably to an OCD degree. I build my day around my lifting and I have always done that. And as an athlete, that's kind of what you did, you know, especially professional level. Like that's what you, you that was a non-negotiable. So everything else became that negotiable. And when that changes, especially coming from like a professional career to like however you deal with it after like even my collegiate career like coming out being an athlete I was like what do I do now I was like working out's the only thing I know how to do really well all the time um I guess I'm gonna be a professional worker out or you know (laughs) I didn't know what to do Uh, it was such a weird like mental space and I I got lost uh with my direction now I'm finally back on a direction geez of course like eight years later uh but that's a huge mental toll so I can imagine that with COVID and the pressures of that and then dealing with where working out is everything, but then that wasn't even encouraged, which is wild. That's a whole nother topic. Oh, bro. It's, <laughs> I, again, I, I can't take the credit, you know, like I can't, it, the coaches that poured into us my whole life and then surrounding myself with people that were about this, that were about this life as well, right? That wanted to exercise as well. As soon as everything shut down, we found a local warehouse. We went and bought kettlebells, dumbbells, like yes. all the stuff we needed for our garage. Yeah. We started this whole trend in our neighborhood. <laughs> Everybody in the garages were working out with yeah. blasting music during COVID. It was Dude, fun. Yeah, that's what the best thing is, making it fun for others, which makes it much more fun for yourself. I've always been like a lone wolf worker outer. You know, I go into the gym and I'm like, I'll put my headphones in, get it done because I have zero issues most of the time. That's exaggeration with motivation. Um, but during COVID, um, I was in the end of PT school and everything was closed. So we went back to my parents' house and by we, I mean me and my roommate and both of us were probably the few in our PT class, another tangent that actually worked out seriously. And, uh, we built a gym in our, in the basement of my parents' house. My dad's a strength coach. So we got all of his stuff Brought it back home. We called it the Thunder Dungeon because we just have some music blasting in there. <laughs> you close the garage door, it was enough insulation where the neighbors weren't, you know, being woken up. Yeah. And it was amazing. We'd bring, like, me and my roommate, Courtney, uh, 
he and I would work out there every day. Then some of our distant neighbors, if you will, would come over and we'd be this like group thing. Our workouts would take like four hours, <laughs> but there was nothing else to do. Uh, it was great. And yeah. that, that, that community was the first time I probably experienced that outside of like school and sports um, because, well, that's not what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It was awesome. It was a good time. That part, I will say, COVID was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mental mm-hmm. aspect was not so great. Yeah. So, how do you? Uh, what was your plan? What was your plan of attack for your mental um, health? Honestly, I was the day after my granddad passed. I went to the gym, just mm-hmm. you know, clock, place clockwork. Yeah. Um, I'm on the squat rack, and tears are coming down my face. I've never worked out and cried a day in my life. I've never worked out and thrown up. And I've been pretty close, right? Like yeah. you're running sprints and yeah. all that stuff and the heat. I'm from West Texas. Yeah. Um, and then coming to Carolina, like more humidity and still hot. Uh, I mean, I recognized at that moment my foundation was broken. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to tell my family, hey, I got to tell you all something, right? Like I told them I wasn't okay and I told them how long I'd been dealing with this. And now... Um, I had to, I'm the, I'm the strong one in the family. I'm the one that people come to. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to be strong and handle everything, you know, just to make sure everybody else is good. And then at night I'm crying myself to sleep. Right. 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 And so it, it just became too much. And, uh, me starting therapy helped like tremendously. It, I, if I didn't start therapy, bro, it would have taken so much longer Yeah, because I, I was already doing something that was positive. Exercise is positive. Now, can it become a negative if you are trying to use it as a distraction, as an escape? Yes, of course, like anything else. But when I was, when I was exercising and then I started therapy, I always tell people, imagine, um, imagine the new Mario movie just came out, right? So imagine me I'm Mario. I take that mushroom. I just freaking grow. And now I'm unstoppable. That's how I felt. I was yeah. like, wow, that didn't take long to pop out, like to come out of that, that funk. And it didn't because now I had somebody I could talk to, get all the stuff off my chest, and they could redirect me and make sure to, for me, like, I didn't know why I was dealing with this, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I was so used to just being able to let stuff bounce but I wasn't. I wasn't actually letting stuff bounce. I was taking it and I was burying Absorbing it, it up. deep yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> and then once you, and it's funny, once you start this journey, what I found is you start this journey and then you heal in a specific area. And as soon as you do that, because this is life, yeah. this is a journey, yeah. the next thing comes up oh, that you <laughs> forgot about. You're yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be prepared for those moments. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's never, it's like a hydra. <laughs> there's always another head. Um, but that's I, another good thing about that mental, mental resiliency is like, if you can deal with one, why wouldn't you be able to deal with another? Exactly. It does give you the confidence and, you know, fortitude against that. Um, let's see what, cause I know, cause you especially more like the men's side, right? Or is it just everything? No, it's, that's common misconception okay, just okay. because the name is yeah. shredded, but it's funny. All of my female friends supported it first yeah. because they're already doing this work. Right. Go figure. Yeah. You I know? know guys are a little more stubborn <laughs> towards it. At least that seems the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are, we are. And so all the guys slowly, once they started seeing, you know, cause they see the name and that's what sparks it. Right. Right. They're like, and then they're like, shredded. well, tell me more about that. Yeah, right? exactly. And so 
the name was geared towards the men, but the the overall idea, the business, mm-hmm. all the brand, all of that was geared towards everyone. Awesome. Yeah. So that I had to get that part out. Um, so like taking that, um, or I guess my first question was how quickly after you broke when time wise wise, like for the mental aspect, did you see therapy? And then what was your, like, how'd you reach out to that? And what do you suggest? It was a year later. Mm -hmm. The first therapist that I sought out here in Carolina and Charlotte was not good for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in fact, it actually made me uh, spiral um, down a path that was actually worse. Right. And so when I tell people to, you know, consider therapy, I also tell them you have to shop around, right? Like you might find a therapist that the first time and it might be a good fit and you're good to go. But for me, the first one was not a good fit. Yeah. And so kind of like when you're going to the store and you're trying on clothes, right? You got to make sure it fits. So make sure that therapist fits your lifestyle and and where you want to go as well. Gotcha. Well, I mean, that's yeah, good advice. I have not done that myself. I've thought about it a lot. Uh, I think it'd be very interesting. I've always used my parents and some of my friends as my, you know, if you will, venting, you know, like area. (laughs) I'm sure they love it. Um, But yeah, I was just curious about like the path you took towards it because I know there's a lot of options has become a lot more popular recently. Um, but in that, I hope it's the navigated is always very important. Yeah. And I, um, well, and I want to say real quick, not yeah. to cut you off, having people in your corner in general that you can talk to is very important. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I don't take anything away from your experience to be able to talk to your family because yeah. that's huge. Right. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you have that, that may allow you not to ever have to, you know, have True. a to go speak to a therapist or a counselor, right? Like you might have the the foundation in your family and, and support group already right. to where they help you navigate. Not everybody has that. True. Yeah, having the outlet. That's mm-hmm. true. Because um, I, I think it would always be very interesting to see like what the difference would be. Yeah. Because a third party also has a completely different view. <laughs> like if my parents hear me complain all the time, you know, in a good way. <laughs> but and then they're like, "Hey, you've already said this five times." Fair. But if I were to say to someone new, they're like, "You've never said that," you know, yeah, and maybe yeah. a whole new perspective and how they would come against it. Plus, I feel like family and friends also, to their hopefully uh, positive aspect, will always try to support you, which is fantastic. Um, but sometimes adding fuel to the fire in the wrong direction. As long as they're the right people that tell you that that's maybe not the best thing to think about or choose a different path sometimes. Yeah, the support can also, because our family loves us, right? Mm-hmm. Our parents yeah. love us. Um, that support can hinder us from getting where we want to be because they don't want to see us go through pain or struggle, right? right? They, wanna, they want to protect us. That is what the parent's role is. And sometimes when they're trying to protect us, they're actually hurting us from getting where we want to be, right? Right. Just Especially always on to... the path that I've chosen. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly <laughs> how we're talking about, yeah. finding that new path. So then like from seeing therapy um, or going to, ther- going to therapy, seeing this new like outline being created for you, um, how have you, if, put it in this way, weaponized that into your brand? Like what is, like, how do you do, how do you deal with other people's mental place? Yeah. Um, yeah. And how do you, how do you help? So I kind of, fell into being an advocate because yeah. I was growing through this, right? I, I started an event called RX for Mental Health, now Mentally Shredded RX, and that was November 2022. That was our first event. 
and I wanted it specifically designed exactly how it was because no one in the space was doing this. And I wanted to make sure that it made sense for the brand. And so it was a workout. And then it was a community mental health discussion led by a licensed therapist. We had vendors, we had a DJ, like we made it fun. And after that event, people came up and they were like, man, I didn't know I needed that. Right. My parents, my family came in and they were like, we were so confused on what you were telling us over the phone all these years. We didn't, we, we couldn't see it. Yeah. So they flew out because they were worried. Yeah. And then they were like, wow, you're making an impact. I was like, (laughs) yeah, what did you think? I was, you know, Uh, but it's funny now that they've seen it, it's more clear. Mm -hmm. And so when we're with the podcast, with the documentary that came out, like people are starting to get a a good idea of Mm -hmm. what we are building. Right. Mentally shredded. Isn't me like we as a community, my hope is are mentally shredded, right? Right. My hope is we do the work for ourselves. We figure out where we are. We identify where we want to be. Right. And then hopefully just through the advocacy work that we're doing, through the storytelling and sharing uh, individual stories of triumph, of struggle, um, that allows people to be able to bridge the gap in their own lives. Right. That's the hope. Gotcha. Yeah. So then... Taking that, because I'm assuming you started more in the CrossFit community here, and that's where you were growing from it, right? Because everything comes Absolutely. around workouts. Absolutely. Because um, I know, like, that community bonding that, um, you know, these group workouts can't create. I mean, one, great place, good fire to start on. <laughs> uh, but two, um, from there, what would be, how would you like this to grow through Charlotte and beyond? Bro, I love that question. My goal is for Mentally Shredded to be a global brand. Yeah. Hey. This is the first time I've actually said that on a podcast, yeah. but all the meetings that people aren't in with me, these, these are the conversations that we are having. And so the reason I know that's possible is because I've connected with people in Canada. I've seen people in England that had immensely shredded their own version of what this was. So in my mind, I was like, other people have already thought about yeah. the name, right? We already know the name attracts people. How can I best connect and and build community around this? And so for me, continuing to do the events because people like it, brings people together. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like uh, prizes and free stuff <laughs> yeah. as well, right? Like that's just um, extra. That's yeah. just extra. But with the podcast, I've been able to tell stories and highlight people that didn't realize they had a story worth highlighting, mm-hmm. right? That were doing amazing things in their community, but just have gotten to the point where they weren't sure that this was the path anymore because they didn't know anybody was watching. Mm-hmm. And so social media yeah. has allowed me to be like, people send me people all the time. And it's like, hey, have, do you know this person? Check them out, yeah. right? I've been able to connect with people I literally had a conversation with a girl in Saudi Arabia the other day, right? That's amazing. And she's from England originally. She was doing retreats out in Bali. And that's how, like, we originally connected because I was like, I want to have retreats one day. Yeah. And I didn't know she was in Saudi Arabia. And she competes. She does, like, um, she competes in different games and things around the world. I was like, I never would have been able to connect with people like this if it wasn't for social media. It does have its pros and cons. It has its pros and cons. Trust (laughs) me, I don't want to be on it either. (laughs) But it has allowed this space for us to be able to connect. And so I know we're growing in the right direction. I want to take 
the podcast and elevate it now, right? We just came out with our documentary this early this year. My hope and goal is to create a series to be able to take that to another level. So we're still interviewing guests, but now we're going into those guests um, home state or home, if you will. And we're taking you to where you as the as the um, audience or the viewer, you get a firsthand look at, okay, I've never been to, I don't know, we're just going to throw this out Minneapolis before. What does that look like? And we're walking through the city of Minneapolis with our guest, and they're telling us about their experience and about what they have going on and all this stuff. Then we sit down and talk about their story, right? And I believe adding value not only to the to our guest, but to the audience to see, oh man, like this is this is even more than what I thought it was going to be. Right. I believe we can continue to do that because the stories we've told have added so much value to the community. We just right. want to take that to another level. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's like a huge part of it too, being able to see the background, like where they came from, the roots, if you will, uh, to add some dimension, some three dimension, if you will, maybe, I don't know, maybe more dimensions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just to see what people are about, because we talked about it a little bit earlier. You don't know what's cooking in someone else's pot. You don't know where their background is, what is normal to them, what's not, um, which I think is really cool about people, especially in the rehab sense here. It's like, introducing new things to them. They're like, I have never thought of that before. It's Absolutely. like, how, you know, in some, <laughs> some regards, but then it does open your eyes to do different, like, you know, experiences and like how people de- like manage their injuries, uh, mental and physical. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very, very cool. Well, to your point with, with physical, we grew up in sports, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we've had injuries, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. And Why? we've had to go to the PT. We've had to go to the training room, <laughs> you know, and learn how to get better. Mm-hmm. Not everybody had that experience. So if you're an adult having an injury for the first time, yeah. and we're looking at it like, bro, why don't you just do this? And they're like, I didn't know I could do yeah, that, right? didn't even know the option. That's the beauty of this business yeah. is you're going to have an influx of people because not everybody played sports. Not yeah. everybody has that awareness. Yeah, I do get very surprised when I'm like, hey, have you ever had an injury before? And like, no, this is the first one. I'm like, you made it this far? That's amazing. I was like, this was me like 13. You right, know, like right. I had some kind of pain just because sports is, uh, you know, pain in a good yeah, way. Absolutely. It does help you grow. It does. Sometimes sticks you out for a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, man, I've had my fair share of injury. Oh, I would imagine. <laughs> so like, your background with, uh, with soccer. So got into the professional level. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So coming from West Texas, at pl- Town, small town called San Angelo, I remember hearing a lot of limiting beliefs my whole life. But I grew up in a family to a granddad who was a lieutenant colonel Air Force. My grandmother owned a successful business in our town. So I didn't see corporate. I saw two different ways of living. And I saw the community that they built and the people that surrounded us. So yes, there were limiting beliefs around but in our pocket, in our community, no it wasn't a whole lot. And so when it would seep in, it was, it was typically pushed out real quick, right? Yeah. But I remember hearing I could have been, I should have been, I would have been, all of these things. And I was like, I don't want that. I never want that, right? Yeah. And when I was in fourth grade, I bought a, my first soccer poster. And I remember it was, it was Kobe Jones. He was playing for LA Galaxy, played for the U.S. national team. I was like, I want to be like that. Right. Like I want to be on the national team. And so that's what I pursued. And it's funny. I was actually way better at singing 
I was no singing. Way. I was singing in a competitive choir before I even took soccer to the next level competitively. Before travel ball even started, and slowly because high school musical wasn't cool at the time right and i was going through my own like puberty and whatever yeah. hormones all the things i was like ah, i'm not singing anymore and it was a crush to my family they were like what and i was like yeah i'm focusing on soccer <laughs> <laughs> and i had to work really hard like i wish i had said i wish i could say it was easy freshman year i'm sitting on the bench it looked like i had never touched the ball a day in my life like and that was my first experience with performance anxiety because I was actually good, yeah. But for high schools, for some reason, it just—I would—I would literally play club season, crush it, and then put on a high school jersey, and I was like fumbling all over the place, couldn't trap the ball. I was like, yeah. "What the heck is happening?" Dude, that's an enormous part of sports that a lot of people forget about. Yeah, and I—I I was telling my family, my parents, I was like, "Hey, uh, something's going on here," and they're just like, "Ah, work harder." Yeah. Like, what? Okay. What? <laughs> Fine. Yeah. And so I developed that attitude. I, I called the cross-country coach. I said, hey, I need to come run with you. I don't care about being on the cross-country team, but I need to, I need to run in yeah, your practice. This yeah. is how it started, right? This is how I developed yeah. that Goggins callous mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would do my soccer training. I would wake up early for the cross-country training. And in, in Texas, well, we know Texas football is yeah, yeah, high yeah. school football is king, but sports in general, they take care of their athletes. And so we had in high school, you had soccer if, or sports. If you're playing a sport, you train in the morning, you, you have a class period that is your sport, and then you're training after school as well. Wow. So think about now, now that I've painted that picture for people, think about the athletes that come out of Texas and you're trying to figure out. Well, how are they so good? That makes sense. Well, because they're breeding us out there. Yeah, three times a day. <laughs> three times a day. And so take that, and now I'm running cross-country. I could run for days. like, And I realized, man, that's a gift. I didn't know that it was a gift, right? Like, But I just started putting myself in, in situations and positions to elevate. Right. And I saw people that were playing you know, that were starting, that got opportunities my freshman year on varsity, and that we grew up together. I'm like, how? I mean, yeah, they're they're killing it right now. Yeah. They're not having this performance anxiety. They, And I didn't look at them and say, woe is me. I said, dang, okay, that's going to be me. Mm -hmm. That's going to be me mm -hmm. next next season, right? And that mindset, that that work ethic allowed me to get a college scholarship. And it's funny Senior year, I didn't even play the high school season at all. I only played playoffs, and we and we only made it two games into playoffs that year. I broke my leg my senior year, so wow. I was talking to two Division One schools. Those went out the window, and then it, I told my parents, I was like, "Look, I'm going D two, or I'm not going at all." Yeah. And I guess I maybe it's the military because I already grew up in this environment. Well, luckily for me, a Division two school hung in there they kept checking on me even after the broken leg and they built trust and yeah. so as soon as i played that last high school um, playoff game me and my granddad booked a flight to carolina i came tried out and they were like yeah we want you to come here i was like all right <laughs> so it just started that you know 
I started building that belief in myself early. I wasn't partying, right? Like I wasn't in high school. I was so focused on my goal. And now in college, kind of got away from that a little bit, right? (laughs) But uh, I was so focused on the goal that I didn't care what my friends and stuff were doing. I was like, no, this is my dream. I'm going to pursue it. So um, my career after that, um, I play in college. I'm playing semi-pro ball, which um, in college is called Premier Development League. It, the name may have changed now, mm-hmm. but it, it essentially is just preparing you to play professionally. That's what it is. You have to be good enough to at least be prepared. So you got to try out, you know, all the things. After that, um, sign with a team and then finish that season, moved up north started bouncing around. I turned my first pro contract down because as I mentioned, I went to college and I'm 18 hours, 21 hours away from home. First time I'm, I'm a good kid. I, I wasn't drinking, smoking, wasn't doing anything literally. (laughs) Then I go to college. Right. And I have a child going at like my sophomore year, going into my junior year that summer, I fly back from Italy because I went to Italy for about a month or so to play, to play soccer, got an opportunity to do that. And then literally fly in that night, my son's mom's water breaks. And I'm like, I always joke that he waited for me to get (laughs) But I graduate, I get a first, I get this opportunity to go play professionally back in my home state. Mm -hmm. And I turned it down. That was my first big contract that I turned down. And a lot of people don't know this. And... And I'm pretty sure my son, like, I, I don't even think I even told them, right? Like, yeah. I was like, I told the club, my son's up north. I haven't been with him because she graduated when he was born. I feel like I have to move up north, and I'll figure it out. If I'm meant to play soccer, I'll figure it out. And from there, it, it was a lot harder, right? Like, I had to find agents. I got opportunities to go overseas and to go to Northern Ireland, to Germany, to Thailand, to name a few places, right? And yes, it was fun. And yes, I got to live a a part of my dream. But one day I woke up and I was like, I'm further away from what I thought I was going to create. I only chose this vehicle because I thought I was going to be able to provide a lifestyle, not only for myself, but for my family. And once I woke up and realized, bro, you might need to change the, the vehicle, it was easy. It was easy yeah. to be like, cool, I'm hanging the boots up, and what's next? That's wild. I mean, that's like a really big step for an athlete. I mean, it, you go look back to that first time looking at that poster, and be like, I want to be him. Yeah. And you yeah. go through this entire journey thinking that, one, you look at that someone's success, and you're like, he has success, that he must be doing it right. He must be firing all cylinders. You never know what's going on in someone else's pot. And you go through this whole thing. It grants you all the success, and you're in the professional level, and it's just not the same because you have this whole – mentality like you know you picture of what's Mm going to go on um i remember even for me not the professional side but like i said earlier it's like what do i do next it was a big big question mark and i think it's a lot in athletes too and i imagine like this would be a huge patient population if you were a client population um of a lot of athletes that kind of lose their path because they're no longer in that structure because it's like no longer you're training three times a day you're going through all this stuff with these crazy opportunities and stuff you're going into what most people think is normal living, um, but it's a huge transition. I mean, it's probably for everyone. I mean, military, you know, athletes, um, like actors, celebrities, anyway, right? That have like this, and those are probably poor examples. There's a lot more, but you know, going from something that was so normal to them to something that's so abnormal for, for everyone else, it's the normal nine to five. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy. 
I think to your point is, and that's why my, you know, my grandma, I used to get so mad at her because she'd be like, Chris, you're more than soccer. And she would, she would literally call me. I'm like, I have a match. I'm calling her to, like, I would call her to pray uh, with me before every match. And, and she would, right? And, and it was great. We had that relationship. But when I would call her and I didn't have a match, we we're talking. She's like, you know, you're more than soccer, right? And I'd be like, I'm trying to focus on this career right now. Stop yeah. trying to put, you know, I, I was like, you're trying to poison my mind. <laughs> and it's funny looking back now, she was just trying to remind me that one day this isn't going to be here anymore, yeah. right? Like, It's hard to know that in the time. Like, True. I never saw myself there. I Going through sports in high school into college, like I was like, this is what I'm going to do forever. Yeah. This yeah. is who I am. It becomes who you are. Yeah. That's a good reminder, like, you know, more than soccer, because I was listening to, have you ever listened to Andrew Huberman? Yeah. Yeah. So I love his stuff. Like, it's a good little plug here, too. But, um, like, his, one of his more recent one is about, like, um, motivation and how to, like, encourage people. And it's much more directed on, like, hey, you're doing a good job with hard work and you're determined, you're persistent, rather than you're just talented. Because I think he said a lot of times, talking about the performance anxiety, especially with sports, people hang up their personality in their life on talented let's say at soccer like i'm just good at soccer i'm good at that not let's say i work hard well obviously you have this crazy path of working very hard but that's what got you there i'm sure there's a lot of people in high school that were probably really talented never applied themselves into the the determination the work hard part and they ever get, never got the opportunities that you got absolutely because um, i know that there's plenty of people in high school that i can look back to i'm like these guys were crazy talented but yeah. that's what everyone told them yeah they were definitely better than me yeah and they're Jesus. like they are so talented but then they heard that and they're like cool i am talented i am done <laughs> like i am 100 percent." and they never put the the next step in which is really what athletics if you want to play at the professional level takes like you need to be honestly a little crazy i think for this audience too it's important to ask yourself those questions when I, once I asked myself, Chris, like, or once I realized, Hey, what, like, what, why did you start this? Mm-hmm. Like, why did you even, why are you on this path to begin with? Because it, it wasn't to just play professional soccer. Like what was the goal behind that decision? Yeah. The and platform. once I realized, Oh crap, like, I've wasted a lot of money, you know, though. <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't a waste. It yeah, was, yeah. it was fun. It was good. It gave and, you your path. Yeah. And, and it was good experience. And honestly, it helped me in my corporate career when mm-hmm. I short lived corporate career, yeah. but it, you know, it helped. And again, your transition out of whatever you're, you were doing in the past, or maybe you're in transition right now and you're trying to figure it out. That question of why did you get started in the first place? Cause I guarantee it wasn't to just do that. It was, to provide something or to create something. So if we can reshift that mindset and, and how we're focused on that quote unquote goal, if you will, I think that will allow us to transition much easier. Yeah. Much more like an easier mental transition, like for sure. I mean, I know even talking to patients with injuries is like usually in this setting is a lot of times from sports in some way, right? CrossFit, um, could be like a, a marathon or powerlifter, bodybuilder, or whatever. Like it's a, a sport, and you're still an athlete because you're still you know going after it. Um, but then their mindset of what an injury does to them, and like how they like twist their entire mentality towards it. It's like you're about to do a bunch of rehab exercises you probably don't think you have time for, <laughs> and I know that. Um, but like to for you to complete this goal of wherever you see yourself mentally, your you know your goal of like you looking at that poster, um, and like Kobe. Kobe Jones, yeah. Kobe Jones, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a soccer guy. It's all good. Uh, here we are. Uh, but 
like finding whatever your, you know, your end goal is or whatever makes you the most happy is like, this is what you need to do to succeed. Find a non-negotiable or just do the rehab exercise, let's say. And then it now opens the door for you to have much more success with it where you're not beating yourself up mentally. I agree. That was the biggest thing. Most people coming in here, the thing I focus on the most is like, how are you mentally about this? Because most of the time, if they're coming from the gym, like we've talked about, the gym was their outlet, yeah. their stress reliever. And that's why all your stuff tied around fitness, which makes so much sense. Yeah. Uh, taking that away is where those things start to pile up. Like you said, you're just grabbing stuff and you're just you know, slamming it, you know, crushing it deep down in, inside you. Eventually, it'll probably pop up in some likely negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure their injury is not the next thing that allows that bottle to be filled. Yeah. Um, cause I know for me, like my biggest issue was back pain. Okay. Um, that's more or less why I decided this path. Uh, cause like I like to push it hard in the gym to the point where probably shouldn't, but I want to <laughs> tiptoe that line of safety. Uh, and back pain was always my like invisible ceiling. So, you know, glass ceiling, if you will, like I could be better, but I'm always scared that I'm gonna put myself back. Like I'm always gonna be like literally, or, you know, yeah. No pun intended, but I'll put myself two steps behind because I'm trying to push that next little bit of a step. Mm. Uh, but being able to have that now, what I think is control over that, which I try to offer people here, right? Let's say a shoulder injury, back injury, whatever. Let's get you a toolkit that not only can we progress you out of pain, but make sure you have the confidence to be able to get back out of pain if anything were to occur. Yeah. Because that gives you a whole nother mental like step. Mm-hmm. The other day, hurt my back a little bit. I was being silly. Yeah. I know. It's probably gonna be a little Instagram post here in a second on the Charlotte Athlete, uh, you know, Instagram. But I was able to get myself out of pain. Squatted the next day, you know, I was fine, and I've been fine since, yeah. you know. And it was a huge step for me mentally because I haven't been able to experience that quite as acutely yet. Um, but it just it ties so much in that mental aspect. I think there is something to say about again, we're we're athletes. I yeah. think if you were an athlete, it's it's going to be in you, right? Yeah. You. You might just need to dig a little deeper and find it again, but lower back pain was was excruciating for me as well, yeah, right? Like, like four out of five people. <laughs> at, at some point, I was running, and I couldn't run past a mile, and my lower back was just like on fire, mm-hmm. pins and needles, and I remember a lot of runs where I was like, I would just you know start start talking to myself. Or I'd start praying or I'd start doing whatever. I'm like, nope, we're not even going to stop today. I don't even care. Yeah. I don't even care. <laughs> and it got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm going to be in pain regardless. I might as well get a reward for it. <laughs> yeah. And I've taken that mindset into and applied it into business, right? Yeah. It wasn't that I ignored the pain. No, I started trying to figure out, okay, how can I <laughs> eliminate this pain? Right. But I'm not going to stop doing right. what I know that is pouring into me. Mm-hmm. So. Find a find a PT. Yeah. Work with them for a year. Then I started working on mobility for a year before <laughs> I even came to CrossFit. Yeah. Because my mobility was trash, which is <laughs> hilarious which is to crazy. think about. Yeah. But I started just stretching more and started working on my physical body because my goal in this space is, which is very important to have you to have goals. Mm-hmm. Goal and remind yourself why are we setting goals? Mm-hmm. I don't actually set goals necessarily to attain them every time. Sometimes I set a goal just to put me on the right path. Yeah. My goal in fitness and health and my physical health is to be the fittest grandfather on earth at 80. Yeah. And people are always thrown by that, but I'm like, that just means I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to exercise regularly. 
I will go to PT if I need it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, take I'll care of your vessel. Because I, I mean, the mentality yeah. stuff, like if you can work on that too, Bro. the other piece of the puzzle. That's it. And yeah. so applying that same mindset to everything else, you're already in pain. Like if, yeah. you, if you're working a job and you hate it and you know you hate it and you should be doing something else, well, doing something else is going to struggle. It's going to be a struggle temporarily because mm -hmm. you have to figure out how do I... How do I change how to develop? Right. Them. And yeah. we all have gifts. And so maybe your gift isn't to make a living off of. Maybe it's just to be an outlet again. Yeah. Facilitate mental health. But mental you have health. to... You got to figure that out. And so I tell everybody every day, like, the human experience is painful, right? <laughs> we are going to be in pain at some point in our lives yeah. and you might as well get a reward for it. Yeah, at least it's something that maybe like help you along the road, <laughs> yeah. along the road. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's definitely going to be a very painful existence and in good ways and bad and good and bad. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. heck yeah, man. I mean, we, have that's probably all the time we have there. I know we wouldn't hey. do a couple different tangents. There yeah. No. Um, but this I know. So November 11th, next annual event, next annual event called mentally shredded, Mentally Shredded RX. RX. Yeah. That's right. Um, and that will be held where? Right here, across from Right neck. here, across yeah. the neck. Awesome, man. Um, and then to get in touch with Chris, socials, you have your Instagram, and that is Mentally Shredded? That is We Are Mentally Shredded. We Are shredded. Mentally Shredded. That is mm -hmm. correct. And then there we got the link tree, everything you need to see for podcasts, documentaries, uh, all the information you guys would need. Um, but appreciate it, man. This has been an awesome interview. Bro, thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> we'll hopefully probably get back on here and dive into some more details. Let's do it. Let's do All it, right, man. Well, thank you for listening. We'll uh, catch you guys next time.